and welcome to Misinformation, the trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hi. Hi. I'm, I don't recognize you without the glitter and the sequins. And I the, know. And the my... hundreds of dollars you won. <laughs> That I just stapled to my body, I guess, all weekend. Um, yeah, this is our first recording from uh, coming back from Vegas. Yeah. So we are back from Las Vegas. And oh, oh do we oh, have some stories? Time. Oh, what a time that what was. What a great time. It was uh, 65 degrees and sunny mm-hmm. every day. It was we, beautiful. We had left like eight to nine inches of Rochester snow. Like that had fallen the night before yeah. we left. Yeah. And it was 10 degrees. Yeah. And then six hours later, we were in the desert and the sun was shining. Oh, my God. It was wonderful. That was nice. That was really nice. And uh, we met up with a bunch of people. So hello to everybody that we met up with. We finally got to meet up with um, Katie from uh, The Inkling. Yeah. And we met up with our Triviality Brothers. And uh, we met up. Two thirds of, two fourths of Trivial Warfare. Yeah, two fourths, one half (laughs) of Trivial Warfare. (laughs) All right. Least common denominator. (laughs) Show off. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) I'm just a math genius. (laughs) Uh, And our team, Sin City Trash Ghost. Heck yeah. Got 20th. Woo. Out of 240 yeah. t- 40 teams. Yep. Yeah. Mara and Idris joined us. They were awesome. Hi, Mara and Idris. They were, they carried us. It was great. <laughs> uh, we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a whirlwind. Yes, it was. Um, and you and I got to fulfill a dream, a Womp. collective dream. <laughs> Womp. 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 Guys, we got to see Magic Mike Womp. live. Womp. And you Womp. don't even understand the level of mm, womp, 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 <laughs> womp, I guess is the only word you could really use. Uh, an onomatopoetic term that means sexiness. It was very good. Um, they were very skilled dancers. Oh my goodness. And at one point, Julia leaned over to me and said, there's just so many muscles on the stage. <laughs> like, look at all I those know where to look. I know. And they were like, suddenly everywhere like there were 11 like guys yeah like, like cats they're like they yeah like like seeing cats they there was a lot of audience participation <laughs> like chippendales meets cats yes exactly uh-huh. which is uh, my dream uh and um we but at first i mean this is a spoiler for magic mike live if you yeah. really want to go but at first it was very not great it, it was um it was very raunchy. Yes. They kind of had like a guy come out and he was doing like dirty joke, dirty yeah, he was joke, like, dirty, dirty joke, joke, dirty joke. And I was like, ugh. And, it, and Julie looked at me at one point and said, I, maybe we should have read the reviews for this because we were horrified. And I said, I don't think I can handle another hour yeah. of this. This is very bad. Yeah. So it was like a good like five minutes of like raunchy, Red, raunchy, moist. Joke. They kept saying moist, ugh. which I should have known. Like yeah, it was it was a it was a joke. It was a goof. Yeah, yeah. like they quickly turned it around, and then it became the and then it became uh, everything, everything he you, wanted it you've to ever be. dreamed of. Uh, but I remember telling you the next morning that I drifted off to sleep that night, and I thought, shame on me. I knew Channing wouldn't do that to us. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't provide anything less than Magic Mike XXL in quality person for each and every one. Yes, uh, quality entertainment. Quality. Quality. There were at least four brides there. <laughs> Minimum. Minimum. <laughs> I mean, just the ones that were like, had a little plastic, like, yeah. veil. Oh, yeah. 
Um, I mean, it was just like the peak of perfect heteronormative sexiness. And it was great. It was, <laughs> it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. Highly we recommended. Take it. We were like, we can't be staying at the very hotel nope. where the magic Mike men are. <laughs> it would be a, it would be sacrilege if we didn't participate. We also bought t-shirts. We bought, we bought very expensive t-shirts. They were very expensive. <laughs> uh, but somehow being in Las Vegas, we were like, yeah, I have that kind of money. So does everybody else here, presumably. I bought hashtag pony. Which one did you get? Uh, I got a Magic Mike Live. Oh, okay. You got the you got the logo I got a really tea. classy, yeah, it classy was a good looking tea. tea. Yeah, very comfortable. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, so soft. The girl with long fingernails who sold it to me said it's very soft and her okay. eyes were dead, but I believed her and um, it was and great. that's the magic of Vegas, baby. Oh my God. That's the magic of Vegas. And if you are ever in Las Vegas, I please do us both a favor. If you do nothing else, if you don't gamble, if you don't smoke weed because it's legal there, if you don't smoke indoors because it's legal there too, definitely go see Magic Mike Live. It is worth every dime and penny you spent. So... It was excellent. So it was so nice to meet so many people. Oh, that, so great. That knew who we were. Mm. <laughs> that was weird. Frankly, I was surprised at how many men listened to our show. So, hi, guys. Hi, guys. Thank you so much. I was expecting to be like, oh, it's Arsenal Ladies, Lady Island, and Misinformation. But it was a lot of dudes that were like, I LOL at your show every every it's week. great. Which was so nice. So thank you yeah, to everybody. Thank you, for, thank you for everybody that came up and chatted with us mm-hmm. or like waved at us or like took a sticker or a card from us. Yes. That was really fun. Yeah. But yeah, we also had a, like you said, a lot of fun with our um, our podcast brothers. Yes. So hello to the Triviality Boys. Um, we will see you again in your hometown next year. So uh, speaking of dudes. Um, so I decided we were talking about mm-hmm. topics and I said, you know what? I had a I had a brainwave. Exactly. That's exactly what it sounded like. Sorry, I was listening to a lot of sound effects today. <laughs> it's, it's all right. You know what? It makes it more real for me. I feel present. Uh, I, I decided to do a series on series because there's a lot of book and movie series yes. that I know of in like a general way. Right. Maybe I saw the first movie. Maybe I read the first book. Maybe I just know a lot of people who are super into it. Um, so I've decided to do a series of series Perfect. of classic, um, sci-fi and fantasy novels and movies. So Great. we're going to get right Perfect. into it. A series of series. A series of series this week is Dune. Did you say dude or dune? Dune, like a sand like a dune. dune. Yeah, I know. I'm also, you should know I'm sick, so I sound like a human didgeridoo. And mm. uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. See, the sound effect is so good. I feel like I'm at like, <laughs> I'm on like an 80s radio show. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Yeah, exactly. So, I, <laughs> yeah, just please keep doing that. Um, so, uh, full disclosure, I have not read. Dune. I have not read any of the books in the Duneverse. Uh, I'm oh not kidding God, you. That is, is that what I, they call it. That's what they call it. It is the Dune universe or the Duneverse. So that's the first trivia fact I'm going to lay <laughs> on you. Um, I have not read any of the books. I have re- watched the David Lynch Dune um, several times. Wow. I enjoy it, actually. I really liked it. 
uh, mostly because it's so wild and wacky mm-hmm. and just over the top. And the first time I watched it, it was on, I was on a date with Steve. Like it was early on in our relationship for me to be watching Dune with him. <laughs> and he actually had to like, talk me through it because if you just watch dune cold you do not understand what the hell's going on you do not you do not no uh also steve is a big fan of dune he loves it uh and as you can see on my notes he wrote he hand wrote corrections that's good and uh questions on my notes so the authenticity the authenticity is is real is with us so okay to begin with frank herbert the author uh, is the original the author of the original Dune series, which comprises of six books. Okay. Okay. Dune, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, and Chapter House, colon, Dune. <laughs> I'm uh, gonna, while you're talking, I'm going to come up with some other alternate titles. <laughs> please. <laughs> please do. Uh, so the first novel also inspired a 1984 film adaptation by David Lynch. Um, there was also an adaptation by Jodorowsky. It's called Jodorowsky's Dune. Uh, it was never made, but there were um, really beautiful uh, storyboards made of it. Okay. And there's a documentary called Jodorowsky's Dune. Jodorowsky? Jodorowsky. Yeah, Jodorowsky. Oh. He's a, um, a Polish First filmmaker. name Joe? Last name no, Jodorowsky? Uh, full name, full last name Jodorowsky. Alejandro Jodorowsky. What a... What a name. I know, right? Sadly. I think he could not get his name on a back of a uniform. Nope, absolutely not. I think his middle name is Sebastian. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what his middle name is. Um, so the only movie, like feature film movie of Dune is the 1984 one. Although okay. there was a 2000 sci-fi channel miniseries called Frank Herbert's Dune. And there was a 2003 sequel called Frank Herbert's Children of Dune, which combines the events of Dune Messiah and Children of Dune. Okay. Uh, there was also a series of computer games, several board games. There are songs and a series of follow-ups, including prequels and sequels that were co-written by Kevin J. Anderson and the author's son, Brian Herbert, starting in 1999. Okay. So um, we are only going to focus on the classic OG Frank Herbert. Six Dunes. Six Dunes. Um, a new film adaptation actually is going to be directed by Denis Villeneuve and it is scheduled to be released on November 20th, 2020. And people are very excited about it. Hmm. Um, uh, Jason Momoa is in it. Oh, um, is he Dune? He is not Dune. Uh, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. Dune is a planet. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So, oh yes. And um yeah, Jason Momoa is in it. Uh, Zendaya is in it. Timothy Chalamet or Timothee Chalamet, wow. as they call him. He's going to be playing Paul Atreides, the, the main character. Oscar Isaac is playing Duke Leto, which, <laughs> I mean, I think you're going to have better? to tell me who those people are. Yes, I, I will. I will. And Stellan Skarsgård is playing the um, main uh, antagonist. And it's perfect. It's perfect casting. So, okay. Great. Little background on Frank Herbert and him writing Dune. Yeah. Who is this fella? Oh, sure. I'll tell you. So after his novel, The Dragon in the Sea was published in 1957, uh, Frank Herbert traveled to Florence, Oregon at the north end of the Oregon Dunes. Here, the United States Department of Agriculture was attempting to use poverty grasses to stabilize the sand dunes. Uh, Herbert claimed in a letter to his literary agent, Lurton Blassingame, Yes, that's a great name. A which great name. Which was not featured in Dune. You'd think that he would be like, Lurton Blassing Game. That's a great sci-fi he name. He owns the shop. Yeah, nope. Are there shops No, there Dune? are no shops. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote to his agent, 
that the moving dunes could, quote, swallow whole cities, lakes, rivers, highways. Herbert's article on the dunes, uh, which was called They Stopped the Moving Sands, was never completed and only published decades later in The Road to Dune. Uh, But its research sparked Herbert's interest in ecology. Uh, Herbert spent the next five years researching, writing, and revising, and he published a three-part serial, Dune World, in the monthly Analog from December 1963 to February 1964. Okay. The serial was accompanied by several illustrations that were not published again. Um, After an interval of a year, he published the five-part The Prophet of Dune in the January to May 1965 issues, and the serialized version was expanded, reworked, and submitted to more than 20 publishers, each of whom rejected it. Hmm. Uh, The novel Dune was finally accepted and published in August 1965 by Chilton Books, which was a printing house better known for publishing auto repair manuals. Oh. Yeah. And the rest, (laughs) they say, is history. So get ready because... This bitch is complicated. Um, feel free to stop me at any time and ask questions, and I will do my best to. You will do your best. I will do my best. <laughs> oh, it'll never get old. Um, so, we'll start with the 1965 entrance into the Dune series, Dune. Uh, the books are set in the distant future on a distant galaxy in which there are several planets ruled by individual great houses, okay. so families. Uh, You've got Kaitan, which is the capital planet, ruled by House Carino, of whom the Emperor Carino rules the rest of the planets. So you got like the king planet. Okay. Okay. How big are these planets? They're about as big as Earth. Wow. And only one person, only one family rules each of them? Exactly. Yes. Um, So. Yeah. Kind of thinking like parallel to the Little Prince. Like how. Yes. There's all those different planets. And then like it's like this planet has a rose on it. Exactly. This planet. Has this on it. You are absolutely correct. So each one of these planets has a very specific style and also is ruled by one family. And that's really all you need to know for the first book, at least. Um, So uh, Caladan, which is a watery planet ruled by House Atreides. Uh, Gidi Prime, which is heavily industrialized and it's ruled by the vicious House Harkonnen. And House Harkonnen, they're the bad guys. They are sworn enemies of the House Atreides. So Atreides are the good guys. Harkonnen is the bad guys. Okay. Then there's Arrakis. Arrakis is the desert planet home to the Fremen, and they are nomadic desert people and the source of the spice melange. The spice. The spice. So, um, also, there are a lot of giant sandworms on Arrakis. That's what I was thinking of. Like, you started talking about this. I was like, are there worms in this? Giant sandworms. And the Fremen call them the Shai Halud, and they kind of worship them as gods. So, um, you got giant worms. You got the spice melange on Arrakis. Is you got it just the sand or is it like Oh, spice? I'll tell you what the okay. spice is. Yeah, yeah, don't worry. So the reason why everyone wants the spice is because it's a drug that enables people to live longer, see the future, and more specifically travel quickly through space by folding it. Oh. Yeah, yeah. All right. You just fold space. Okay. You don't need to know why. Great. It no, just, please. You take spice. <laughs> I think you ingest it somehow. You smell it or you snort it or you eat it. Something. And then you can travel through time and All space. Right. Great. So it's like their main, uh, like their train system is spice. Okay. And also you can kind of see the future when you take spice. So spice is Oof. very, it is their main um, uh, economic base okay. is spice. On Arrakis. On, on, in, on that, all of in this entire in planetary okay. system, yes. So the people who control the spice are called the Chome Company. Which is Chome? Chome. So C-H-O-A-M. none of these are words that are recognizable no. 
Okay. No, you that you're just gonna have to like really like allow the just the glossary of this to kind of wash over okay. you. Um, I'll be explaining a lot of these terms. Also, um, Frank Herbert was very inspired by um, Islamic culture. Okay. So you'll hear a lot of like Islamic type words Sounding. and names okay. and things. Like Shai Halud. Sure. Sounds um, like a delicious cheese meat oh, dish. Oh, yeah. Like, ooh, no, you should try the Shai Halud. It is very good. It's French. Um, so... <laughs> The Chome Company have a monopoly on the spice and banking in general. Okay. Okay. Um, the Spacing Guild and the Guild Navigators are the people able to safely travel through space. And they're kind of like tugboats. Like if you wanted to travel from Arrakis to um, to Caladan, okay. you would call up a Guild Navigator and you'd be like, I need you to take me to Caladan. And then they would like set up your shit and then they would take you to the, the Space Navigator, the so Guild Navigator. So they're Space Uber. They are a space Uber. Exactly. Um, So the guild navigators were once people, but their use of the spice turned them into giant monsters that have to be kept in tanks full of spice. So So they were once people. They were once people. And now they're monsters. But the use of spice, because they use it all the time, because they're the guild navigators, that turns them into giant monsters. And they have to be kept in tanks. So years and years ago, now this is a little background, there was a war called the Butlerian Jihad. Um, where humans rejected and overthrew their robot overlords, leaving the known universe uh, really anti-advanced computer and like machine in general. Yeah. No, I'm in. Yeah. I want to overthrow my robot overlords. Oh, yeah. And we did in a major way. So in favor, we we threw over the advanced computers in favor of adapting their minds to be capable of extremely complex tasks. So hence the importance of the space, spice melange. Okay. Henceforth known as the spice. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about the kind of people you're going to see in Dune. Okay. Everyone in this, in this is human except where noted. Okay. <laughs> These are all people. So you've got mentats. They are individuals trained as human computers and their minds develop to staggering heights of cognitive and analytical ability. So they're like replacing the robots because okay. they're just like computer people. They drink something called Sappho juice, which increases their mental abilities and the use of it stains their lips and teeth red. And in the, yeah, so it's just, it's just a berry, just a berry, but they, they drink it all the time. So their lips and their teeth. So that's how you can tell a mentat. You're like, oh, that guy's a mentat. Um, so in the movie, there is a very faint, there is a, a mentat named Peter DeVries. Um, and he says, it is my will alone. I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of Sappho that thoughts acquire speed. The lips acquire stains. The stains become a warning. It is by will alone. I set my mind in motion. And that's like his little like, like yeah, it's kind of (laughs) creepy. Oh, you're going to love it. Okay. So you're going to like these bitches. So the Bene Gesserit, okay, two words, Bene Gesserit. They are a secretive and powerful matriarchal order whose members possess extraordinary physical and mental powers. Okay. So they have a system kind of like nuns. Um, and uh, the most powerful among them are called Reverend Mothers. And they drink what's known as the water of life and therefore can see the other memory or the memories and knowledge of all of the female ancestors that have gone before. So Bene Gesserits are like this religious order of women that are super powerful. And um, they are they have like developed their minds so that they can see through time and space. Okay. But they can only see through time and space through the memories of their female ancestors. So they only get like 50% of the story. <laughs> I know it's very complicated. Um, so they've been not so secretly running a breeding program in the known universe in order to develop what they call the Quisatz Hatterach, who is basically a male Jib Bene Gesserit. 
Okay. okay. Like a Jesus character, like a, okay. a Neo. Um, so a male Bene Gesserit is a powerful super being that can see all time and all space and is all powerful. So he will like take on the mantle of all the Bene Gesserit mem- other memory and also be able to see all the male other memories. So he can see through time and space like completely. And that's who they've been trying to like work toward. Oh, yeah. man. They can also control people using what's known as the voice. And in the movie, it's literally just like, they just talk like this and they can make people do whatever they want. Um, they also use a martial art called the weirding way. And that's weirding way. Weirding way. Okay. Um, and they, uh, they get to the martial art by practicing what's known as prana bindu, where it's like complete control of their body. Okay. This is just information. It's not necessary to the story. It's just kind of background. Okay. So you also have the Ixians from planet Ix, I-X, because okay. it's the ninth planet. I can remember that yeah. one. Uh, they are the people who kind of invent and control all the technology that's available, and they frequently push the boundaries of the laws made after the Butleri- Butlerian Jihad. Um, you also have the Tleilexu, or Benetleilax. They are a secretive and powerful patriarchal race known for their genetic manipulation technologies. Okay? So like the male version of the Bene Gesserit, okay. sort of. But they don't really like see through time and space. Uh, they breed what's known as golas, and they're just clones of people, in axolotl tanks, like axolotls, Ooh. yeah. Um, and they also breed face dancers who are humans who can shapeshift. I don't like any of oh, this, Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God, it's so good. Um, <laughs> so, so then we got a lot to go, so you better get cozy on this. Um, so then there's the aforementioned Fremen who are nomadic but mostly live in caves called Seiches and are able to withstand the heat and dryness of the desert by wearing still suits, which keep you cool and hydrated. On Arrakis. On Arrakis. Yes, very good. See, you're paying attention. So... As the novel opens, each planet is ruled by a great house that owns allegiance to the Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV. He is the emperor of the Carino family. Okay. So the emperor suspects that Duke Leto Atreides of House Atreides has become a potential challenger to his throne as Leto gains favor with other great houses in the universe. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's getting too powerful. So the emperor is like, I need to cut this guy down. Mm -hmm. So the emperor seeks the downfall of House Atreides by assigning them control of Arrakis. Um, okay. currently ruled by Baron Harkonnen of House Harkonnen. And the Atreides and Harkonnen houses have had generations-long feud, and the Emperor secretly plots with the Baron Harkonnen to attack House Atreides after its move, move to Arrakis. So he's kind of pushing a war between these two houses. Okay. So, is it because he knows that taking that being in charge of Arrakis is like a losing... Yeah, it seems to be like a losing thing because the okay. Fremen don't like them there and it's kind of like um it's kind of like occupying uh Afghanistan. Okay. Yes. So, Duke Leto has a concubine and her uh the one he loves the most and her name is Lady Jessica. Oh, um, a normal name. A normal name. Great. Yeah, there are exactly two normal names in this entire Peter thing. and Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh see she also happens to be a Bene Gesserit woman. Um, and he also has a son called Paul Atreides, who's about 15 when the book opens. So the Reverend Mother confronts Jessica because she was supposed to have a daughter, um, as goes the breeding program. Bene Gesserit women can control what sex their babies are. Oh, okay. So she was supposed to have a daughter because that was kind of in the line of their breeding program. But she loved Leto so much that she gave him the son that he really wanted. Okay. So the Reverend Mother is like, what are you doing? I told you to have a daughter and now we got to like start all over again. So Jessica so has- she get in trouble? Uh, she gets kind of yelled at okay. a little bit, but since she's a Bene Gesserit too, like they don't do a lot of infighting. Okay. They're very like, like loyal to each other mm-hmm. and very, um, 
That's how they keep their power is that okay. they're really united. Um, so Jessica has since trained Paul in the Bene Gesserit way. And the Reverend Mother is reluctantly impressed by the boy. So Paul had passed the test of what's known as the Gom Jabbar. So <laughs> the Gom Jabbar, the Gom G O M. I mean, I don't know. Understand why you're not understanding this. <laughs> it's called the Gom Jabbar, okay. which is another like Islamic, yeah. Middle Eastern style word. So the Gom Jabbar is when uh, you're supposed to. Um, Fear is the mind killer is like a is like a thing that's repeated mm-hmm. often in the books and the movie. So you put your hand in this box. She goes, put your hand in the box. The woman who plays who plays the Reverend Mother is amazing in the movie. I she does just incredible wide readings. But he puts his hand in the box and there's a poison needle in it that causes an intense amount of pain. And the point is, is that you're not supposed to pull your hand out of the box. You're supposed to withstand the pain. And it's all like Why? in your head um, to. to <laughs> <laughs> to prove that you are mentally strong to like withstand this pain that actually is not pain at all. It's all in your head. Like it's like a psychological test basically. Oh, okay. So, um, she, uh, so she, he, so you're not supposed to give into the instincts to remove your hand mm-hmm. and he doesn't. And she's like, wow, you're just as mentally strong as a Bene Gesserit woman. That's pretty cool. Okay. Um, so, uh, at one point he, he says, um, she was like, no man has ever put his hand in the Gamjabar box. And she said, many have tried. And he says, uh, and they tried and failed. And the best line read of that entire movie, I could live in this moment. She goes, they tried and died. Like, it's so good. And her face is so French and aquiline. <laughs> oh, it's just great. Anyway, so House Atreides, they get on a, a space a guild navigator mm-hmm. and they go to Arrakis and they are going to take control of it and they find traps left by the Harkonnens in the palace. Okay. Um, so Leto quickly made, makes political ties with the native Fremen, which was smart and it seems like no one else has ever tried this mm-hmm. where he's like, let's be friends with these guys. Um, and Leto assigns Paul's best friend and his trusted advisor, Duncan Idaho <laughs> to stay and learn more from them. Yeah. His name is Duncan Idaho. Uh, Duncan, Idaho. So uh, soon, uh, Harkonnen launches its attack on the Atreides, and it devastates many of the Atreides' troops in killing Duncan. So Duncan oh, dies. Oh, no. I know. We barely knew you. <laughs> I know. We barely knew you. Um, so Paul and Jessica flee into the desert while Leto is captured and killed by the Harkonnen. And uh, she... And... Okay. So you know the song Weapon of Choice by Fatboy Slim? Yeah. So you know the part where he sa- he whispers, like, if you walk without rhythm, you won't attract the worm. Ooh. that's from Dune because okay. you, if you walk with rhythm, the, the sandworms can hear you okay. and then they can come up and grab you. But if you walk without rhythm, you won't attract the worm. So you got to walk like a fool. Yeah. You got to walk like, like crazy a person. Hopscotching like, and like, bop, 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 bop. yeah, it's great. Zigzagging and just be bopping, scatting all over the place. <laughs> exactly. So in this moment, Paul realizes that he has significant powers as an accidental result of the Bene Gesserit breeding scheme inadvertently caused by Jessica bearing a son. And he realizes this because there's all this spice around. Mm -hmm. He's like breathing in the spice and he starts to see the future. And he was like, Oh my God, I am super special. I have incredible powers. So he foresees futures in which uh, he lives among the Fremen and he has a vision, which he is informed of the addictive qualities of the spice. Mm -hmm. So the spice is super addictive. Um, so Paul and Jessica are accepted into the Fremen community of the Sage T- Tabor and teach the Fremen the Bene Gesserit fighting technique known as the Weirding Way. The Weirding Way. The Weirding Way. 
Um, so Paul proves his manhood and chooses his Fremen name of Muad'Dib. So that's his name. How's that spelled? Uh, capital M-U-A-D apostrophe capital D-I-B. Muad'Dib. Okay. Um, so the Muad'Dib in the Fremen culture is a desert mouse that can like withstand heat and, and okay. dryness and all this stuff. So he's like represented as an animal that is very hardy and powerful in its own way. So Jessica opts to undergo the ritual to become a reverend mother by drinking the poisonous water of life. She's like, I'm oh. going to ascend. However, she is pregnant with Leto's daughter. Um, and she inadvertently causes the unborn child, Aaliyah, to become infused with the same powers in the womb. So normally that would kill a child to drink the uh-huh. poison water of life. But because she's a female child, she is like, she said like as a, kid is like full of all of the reverend mother like thoughts so she becomes like super powerful she also grows like incredibly fast when she's born like she just matures very quickly um so paul takes a fremen lover her name is shani played by zendaya in the upcoming film um and he has a son with her uh called Lido. so he names it after his dad so as two years pass, Paul's powerful abilities to see the future have manifested, which lead the Fremen to consider him their Madhi or their Messiah. Uh, Paul recognizes that the Fremen can be a powerful fighting force to take back Arrakis, but also sees that if he does not control them, their jihad could extend to the entire universe. Okay. So uh, word about this new Fremen leader called Muad'Dib reaches both the Baron Harkonnen and the Emperor as spice production falls due to increasingly destructive Fremen raids. Ooh, Okay. So Paul decides. So now people are noticing. Yeah, people are like, "Why are the Fremen all of a sudden like destroying all of our like, like where they cultivate the spice yeah. and like get the spice and all this stuff?" So um, their 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 eyes turn to Arrakis as what the hell's going on with the Fremen. Mm. So Paul decides to drink the water of life in order to increase his powers, even though it's supposed to be fatal to men and only for the Bene Gesserit. So he's like, I am the Quitzat's Herderach. I believe it because I'm so powerful. So I'm going to drink this water of life and like ascend to my true like nature. So Paul falls into unconsciousness for several weeks after drinking the water. But when he wakes, he has clairvoyance across time and space and he has become the Quitzat's Herderach. The Quitzat's Herderach? The Quitzat's Herderach. Again, I'm going to need you to really follow along with me. <laughs> so the Quitsat Satirac. Quitsats. It's K-W-I-S-A-T-Z. Oh, I was going with a Q. I know, right? That's, That's what, what I, I thought wrong. too when I first saw the movie. Hatterack, H-A-D-E-R-A-C-H. Quitsats. The Quitsat Satirac. The Quitsats Hatterack. <laughs> so <clears throat> smart, powerful, like giant universe brain. Paul also known as Muad'Dib, also known as the Quitsat's Quitsat's Arrak. He senses that the Emperor and the Baron are amassing fleets around Arrakis to quell the Fremen rebellion and prepares the Fremen for a major offensive against the Harkonnen troops. So this is like the major battle scene. In the first book. In the first book. (laughs) So the Emperor arrives with the Baron on Arrakis and their combined troops seize a Fremen outpost, killing many, including Paul's son, Leto. Oh, that's a good way to get someone mad at you. Yep. And his sister, Aaliyah, is captured and taken to the Baron. But uh, she's going to be okay. She's fine. Yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, she remains defiant, putting her trust in her brother and revealing that Muad'Dib is Paul. And everyone was like, oh, I thought Paul died. So at that moment, Paul and the Fremen, riding sandworms, Ugh. yeah, assault the capital and Aaliyah assassinates the Baron and escapes. So the sandworms, the Fremen can ride the sandworms. So the sandworms, as they're like, ooh, like 
going along on the surface, they like throw a, a, like a rope up and, and then they ride along with it and then they climb up the rope and then they ride it like, like, um, I don't know, like a <laughs> like horse, you're on a bull? like you're on a big bull. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hang on tight. Um, yeah. So it becomes a sandworm rider. So the sandworms. Uh, so Paul and the Fremen quickly defeat the Harkonnen. Uh, Paul faces the emperor and threatens to destroy spice production forever unless the emperor abdicates the throne. Uh, the emperor reluct- <laughs> Steve wrote, is that right? Um, <laughs> it's true. I, I, did, I did research on this. Uh, the emperor reluctantly cedes the throne to Paul and promises his daughter, Princess Rulan's hand in marriage. So as Paul takes control of the empire, he realizes that while he achieved his goal, he is no longer able to stop the Fremen Jihad as their belief in him is too powerful to restrain. So the book ends on like a, a triumphant, but also like, hmm, Hmm. thought, right? Okay. So quixotic thought for the quitsack satirac. Exactly. You are just killing it dead. Okay. Second book, Dune Messiah. Dune Messiah. So this is set. This was Dune Messiah was 1969. Okay. Uh, is set 12 years in the future from the events of Dune. Um, Paul Muad'Dib Atreides rules as emperor. emperor. So he's the emperor. So he's of, the emperor now. He's the emperor is of all the Is he married to the emperor's daughter? He is married to the emperor, emperor's daughter, but he refuses to touch her. Like okay. it was just like a political thing. Sure. He still was Shani. Like he and Shani are together oh, he forever. he has this, that Fremen lady. Yes, his Fremen. Okay. Oh, the other thing is the Fremen have uh, bright blue eyes. Okay. Like their eyes are like glowy blue and that's because they're around the spice so much. So the spice turns your eyes like super blue. Before you turn into a monster? Yes. Yeah, okay. before you turn into a monster. This is stage pre-monster. Yeah, this is pre-monster. Um, so by accepting the role of Messiah to the Fremen, Paul has unleashed a jihad which has conquered most of the known universe. So the Fremen oh. are like, now we run everything, thanks to Paul. So while Paul is the most powerful emperor ever known, he is powerless to stop the lethal excesses of the religious juggernaut he has created. Oh, okay. Whoops. Um, so 61 people have perished during these 12 years. <laughs> And Paul's prescient visions indicate that this is far from the worst possible outcome for humanity. So motivated by this knowledge, Paul hopes to set humanity on a course that will not inevitably lead to stagnation and destruction, while at the same time acting as ruler of the empire and focal point of the Fremen religion. So he can see that things are not going to go great. Wow. Um, And he's like going to really try and like control this, but he can only do so much. So the Bene Gesserit, the Spacing Guild... And the Tleilaxu enter into a conspiracy to dethrone Paul. And the Bene Gesserit Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Moahim enlists Paul's own consort, Princess Arulan. Where's uh, Jessica? Oh, Jessica's his mom. She's living with him. Okay. She's doing fine. Uh, yep. She's a, a Reverend Mother. And she's doing oh, pretty so good. there can be more than one. Yes, there okay. can be more than one. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's the daughter of the deposed Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV. Um uh, again, as I mentioned before, he refuses to even touch her. Um, and the Fremen and his Fremen concubine Shani hasn't been able to produce an heir either, which is causing tension in his monarchy because he okay. doesn't have an heir yet. Um, so it turns out that the princess has been secretly feeding Shani contraceptives and Paul. Oh, yeah. And Paul is aware of this because he is all seeing. Um, but he, uh, has foreseen that the birth of his heir will bring Shani's death and he does not want to lose her. Oh. So he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Okay. So, um, he sees this in a terrifying vision of a moon that falls from the sky of Dune. Um, Arrakis. Arrakis is also known as Dune. Um, the Tylaxu face dancer, Skytail, gives Paul a gift he cannot resist. (laughs) 
Did so you ever think you would say a sentence? That sentence? <laughs> never. That was okay. never. I, I wish this was like the first time that sentence has ever been said aloud, but that's not true. <laughs> so the Tlylaxu have grown a Gola, a, 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 clone a clone of his best friend, Duncan Idaho. So Duncan <sighs> Idaho is back. And Skytail, uh, yeah, Skytail is like, look what I brought you. And Paul cannot resist it. He was like, I know this is a conspiracy, but my bro, I miss you, my man. So <laughs> it's your holographic best friend. Back from no, the he's, dead. he's real. He's just a clone. Um, his, he's now called Height, but we're going to call him Duncan Idaho from here on out. Um, so the conspirators hope that the present presence of Duncan Idaho will undermine Paul's ability to rule by forcing Paul to question himself and the empire he has created. So they kind of like implanted some thoughts and memories into Duncan Idaho to help him like kind of lead Paul in the wrong direction. This is really messed up. It is messed up. Oh, (laughs) that's way more messed up. So, um, furthermore, uh, Paul's acceptance of the gift weakens his support among the Fremen who see the Tlylaxu and their tools as unclean. So the Fremen are like, "Mm, our God is being a real dick right now. Like they, they start to think like maybe Paul isn't Mm. as great as he thinks he is. So Chani taking matters into her own hands switches to a traditional Fremen fertility diet, preventing Arulan from being able to tamper with her food. And soon she becomes pregnant. So Shani is pregnant with Paul's kid. So as Paul's soldiers attack the conspirators, others set off an atomic weapon called a stone burner purchased from the Tylaxu that destroys the area and blinds Paul. So Paul doesn't have any more eyes. Oh, no eyes. So by tradition, all blind Fremen are abandoned in the desert. But Paul shocks the Fremen and entrenches his godhood by proving he can still see even without eyes. So his oracular powers have become so developed that he can foresee in his mind everything that happens as those his eyes can still function. So because he's so like, he can see the future, mm-hmm. he, uh, he doesn't need eyes because he can see the future and he knows what's going to happen. So he kind of like goes along with that. Uh- <laughs> so... By moving through his life in lockstep with his visions, he can see even the slightest details of the world around him because he's been seeing it for like 15 years or whatever. So the disadvantages of this is his inability to change any part of his destiny, trapping him in a hellish boredom. So the idea is he can still see if he goes along with his vision. But if, if he decides to like do something different from what his vision is, he's like permanently blind, like blind from like blind mentally and blind like visually. So... The reprogrammed Duncan Idaho offers Paul a bargain when Shani dies to reincarnate her as a Gola um, if he sacrifices the throne and goes into exile. So he's like, I could bring your your wife back if you just get out of here. Um, but eventually news is brought that Shani has died giving birth. Oh. So the grief of his loss in, is the falling moon that he foresaw in an earlier vision and Paul stumbles truly blind now having removed himself from the prison of his own precise vision. So he decides like, I'm not going to take this gift. I'm going to yeah. let Shani die. And I'm now I'm blind. Okay. So now he's like truly blind. So Paul and Shani's newborn twins are pre-born. Twins. Yeah, they're twins. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're twins. He, she has twins. Um, so like Paul's sister, Aaliyah had been, um, they also have taken on the mantle of the Quitsats Haderach so they can see the future. Okay. Much like Aaliyah, his sister can. So they come into the world fully conscious with Quitsat's Haderach like access to ancestral memories thanks to a combination of their genes and an in utero exposure to the quantities of spice in Shani's special pregnancy diet. I wonder what ancestral memories are. Um, you know, uh, you know, like history. Like it's like the history of everything. 
but oh, all okay. in your brain. Not just like, hmm, are they making bread? <laughs> like you're just looking over their shoulder. I mean, I, I'm sure there's a little bit of that, I would say. But it's just like all of your ancestral history going back. So you can see both backwards in time infinitely or you can see forwards in time infinitely. And that's what the Quidsets Hatterack can see. Which is like a real mind fuck. But anyway. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Skytail offers to revive Shani as a Gola in return for all of Paul's holdings in Chome. Because he's also very rich. Because he, he runs the spice. Yeah. Uh, but Paul refuses to submit and the possibility that the Tylaxu might program Shani in some diabolical way. Which okay. they probably would. But and they s- could probably just make her anyway. Right? Yeah. They, oh, yeah. His, they could like, do it if they want to. Yeah. But he was like, no, you're not going to do it for me. Forget it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what the way it's going to go. So Skytail threatens the infants with a knife while he negotiates with Aaliyah. So he's like, I'm going to kill these babies. What is a face dancer? What is a face dancer? Oh, they're the people who can shape shift. They can shape shift. shift. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, he negotiates with Aaliyah, and, but Paul kills him with a very well-placed dart uh, <laughs> because he can see um, through his son's vision. Yeah, it's very weird. Just we'll just go with this. He kills <laughs> he kills Skytail. Lauren's gonna finish the rest of this episode. <laughs> I'm gonna go lay down. No, no, I need you to I need you to bounce these ideas off of. I'm so confused. <laughs> no, it's not gonna get any better. So um so Paul has been rendered completely blind. Okay. And so um he uh chooses to embrace the Fremen tradition of a blind man walking alone in the desert, and he just walks into the desert. And he wins the loyalty of the Fremen for his children. Okay. Which will, who will inherit his mantle of emperor. So his two kids are going to rule okay. in his stead. Um, so what Paul, are his kids' names? Uh, oh, I'll tell you in just okay. a second. So Paul leaves his sister Aaliyah as regent for the twins, whom he has named Leto II and Ganema. So he has one son. Wait. Leto was the one who died. Okay. That was the first baby. Okay. And now there's Leto II okay. and Ganema, who are the twin. Ganema is female and Leto is male. Um, so Duncan notes the irony that Paul and Shani's death have enabled them to triumph against their enemies and that Paul has escaped deification by walking into the desert as a man while guaranteeing Fremen support for the Atreides line. So he made a very uh, uh, conscious and uh, purposeful decision. So Paul walks into the desert to his death, presumably. Okay, we never see Paul again. Well, let's get to Children of Dune. So <laughs> Children of Dune was written in 1976. This is nine years after Emperor Paul Muad'Dib walked into the desert blind. And so they decided to transform Dune um, so that there's like lush greenscape. Oh, yeah. That seems like the opposite of what Dune was. Right? So that's the thing. Like the sandworms need the desert. Yeah. They were like, we don't need the sandworms. Here's a spoiler. Sandworms are the ones that produce the spice. Yeah, yeah. So it's their babies. Their little sandworm no. babies <laughs> produce. No, no, no. They, they just produce it. Like the, no. as babies, they produce it. And baby sandworms are called sand trout. Just so you know. Okay. So they're the ones that produce the spice. But they want to make Arrakis into like a, a lush paradise Come where the emperor visit Arrakis. beautiful Arrakis exactly so they've been trying to ecologically transform the planet and by this time um, it's reached the point where some Fremen are living without the still suits it's like getting more comfortable to live there okay um, so they also start moving out of their nomadic lifestyle and out of the caves and into the villages and cities that are being made 
So as the old ways erode, more and more pilgrims arrive to experience the planet of Muad'Dib. And Paul's young twin children, Lido II and Ganema, have concluded that their guardian, Alaya, has succumbed to abomination. So abomination means that she is possessed by one of her ancestors. She doesn't just see back. She's being she's become possessed by one of her ancestors, which is no good. Um, so they are afraid that th- that's going to happen to them because they have the same like brain as their, uh-huh. sis- as their aunt. So they and Aaliyah also realize that terraforming of Dune will kill all the sandworms, thus destroying the source of the spice. But the thing which has possessed Aaliyah desires this outcome. Okay. For whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So Leto also fears that like his father, he will become trapped by his prescience. Like he's mm-hmm. just going to, he's just going to go the way of his dad. Um, so uh, Aaliyah is actually not just possessed by uh, one of her ancestors. She's actually possessed by the persona of her grandfather, Baron Harkonnen. Okay. So Baron Harkonnen was her grandfather. And this is like a shock. What? How is she? How is he her <laughs> grandfather? Well, Lady Jessica um, is the daughter of the evil Baron Harkonnen. Oh. And and it, it was a product, product of a rape okay. of a Bene Gesserit woman. Okay. Um, so that's like the shock. Okay. But so Aaliyah is being possessed by her grandfather's spirit, who was an evil guy anyway. And he was like, oh, I know what I want to do. Um, destroy everything. So um, she fear possessed by Baron von Harkonnen, just so you know. Uh, Aaliyah fears that her mother, Lady Jessica, about to return to Arrakis, will recognize her abomination because Lady Jessica is a reverend mother and she can like see like, mm-hmm. oh, she's being possessed. Um, meanwhile, a new religious figure called the Preacher has risen in the desert, railing against the religious government's injustices and the changes among the Fremen. So some Fremen believe he is Paul Atreides. Okay. Yeah. So um, there is a princess. Her name is Princess Wensic- Wensist. Wensia? Wensicia? Wensicia, we'll call her. I did not get this far. Um, so she is the last remaining person of the fallen house Carino, the emperor, the first emperor's. The first emperor's yeah. family. Okay. So she's like, you know what I want to do? I'm going to kill those twins and I'm going to ascend to my ancestral throne. Like okay. I want to become the emperor now. So um, she plots to assassinate the twins and regain power. And so Lady Jessica returns to Arrakis and recognizes that her daughter has been possessed, but finds no signs of abomination in the twins. So um, the preacher journeys to meet Wensisia's son, Faradin. Faradin? Faradin. Um, and in return pledges Duncan Idaho as an agent of House Carino. So the preacher is like, here's Duncan Idaho. He will help you get the throne back. Um, so Aaliyah attempts to assassinate her own mother, who escapes into the desert with Duncan's help and precipitates a rebellion among the Fremen. Okay. Because some of them are following the the preacher and some of them are going with Leto and Ganema. Okay. So a band of Fremen outlaws capture Leto and force him to undergo the spice trance. I don't know what that is. So his spice-induced <laughs> visions show him a myriad of possible futures where humanity has become extinct and only one where humanity survives. He names this future the Golden Path. And resolves to bring it to fruition, which his father, who had already glimpsed this future, refused to do. So the idea of the golden path is that the ends will justify the means. Okay. So when Paul saw the golden path, he said, okay, well, obviously humanity will, this is the only way that humanity will survive like eons and eons Mm -hmm. into the future, as far as I can see. But there's going to be a lot of death Mm -hmm. and destruction to get there. And he was like, I can't do that. I can't make that decision. So he chose not to and went blind. 
his son is like, that that's the way we should go because the ends justify the means. Like yeah. a lot of people will die, but at least we'll survive as a species. Yeah. So that's the golden path. Okay. And the golden path argument is basically like the through line through the rest of the, the books. Okay. Is this complication like the of yellow like, brick road, like the of, yellow brick road, the but series. bad and terrible. Um, so Leto escapes his captors um, and sacrifices his humanity in pursuit of the golden path by physically fusing with the school of sand trout, gaining superhuman strength and near invulnerability. So he dives into a pile of baby sandworms and is like, eat me babies. And he just fuses with us. So he's just got like these sandworms like hanging off his body. I hate all of this. Oh, it's so good. I mean, we're only on the third book. <laughs> So he travels across. That's so weird. (laughs) Why did he think he needed to do that? Because he he wanted to get all their their spice power in them. Like just constant spice power. So just like a pit of worms? Baby sandworms, Julia. Do they just look like worms? Yeah, just small. (laughs) Um, So he travels across the desert to find the preacher. And he finds out the preacher is in fact his dad, Paul. Man. So... Paul and Leto return to the capital to confront Aaliyah, who has the preacher murdered, revealing his true identity. So, so Paul she, is now officially dead. So she kills her, her brother. Brother. Yep. Um, so because she's not herself. Because she's not herself. She is possessed by Baron Harkonnen. So Leto reveals himself in a display of hu- superhuman strength and triggers the return of Ganema's genuine memories. So he's just covered in worms. Still. He's just covered in worms, and he's like, he's just look like at a me. Big, Big worm monster. Worm monster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. It's so good. So he confronts Aaliyah and offers to help her overcome her possession, but she is overwhelmed by her ancestral persona and elects to commit suicide. So she kills herself, which is terrible because she's very powerful. So Leto... Does that get rid of the possession? Yes. Okay. So Leto declares himself emperor and asserts control over the worm, The worm man. The worm man. Yep. Uh, the seemingly immortal and omnipotent Leto is left as emperor of the known universe with his sister at his side. Leto will wed his own sister, uh, but Faradin... Oh, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> but I should have guessed so. I know. Uh, but Faradin um, will become uh, Ganema's consort and continue the Atreides line. So he doesn't... He just marries his sister in like... A ceremony. Yeah, in a ceremony. Mm-hmm. But Faradin will actually like have babies with her and they will continue the Atreides line. Okay. So... Next is God Emperor of Dune, which was 1981. Okay. That is more serious than Dune Messiah. Oh, for sure. Yes. Oh, just God Emperor wait. of so, Dune. So, Leto to Atreides, the God Emperor, okay. has ruled the universe as a tyrant for 3,500 years after becoming a hybrid of human and giant sandworm in the previous book. The, so, this we're 3,500 years we into are the 3,500 years into the future. Everyone else is dead except for Leto too, because he is now half worm and half man. Okay. So all the other sandworms died. Oh. Um, and he controls. Because they turned the planet into. Yes. So into there's no lush. more spice. No, but he is the only source of spice because he is part sandworm. So his control of the remaining supply of all the all important drug melange has allowed him to keep civilization under his complete command. Uh, Leto has been physically transformed into a worm, retaining only his human face and arms. And though he is now seemingly immortal <laughs> and invulnerable to harm. Draw a picture of him. <laughs> yes. Oh, please draw a picture. <laughs> You'll, uh, I, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
draw a picture and I will tell you if that is exactly how it looks on the cover of the book from 1981 because I can almost guarantee you that it is exactly what okay. you think. Okay. So um, he is now seemingly immortal and invulnerable to harm, but he is prone to instinct-driven bouts of violence when provoked to anger. You would think that people would get weaned off the spice if yeah, there was right? only one way to get it and it seems to be milking the milking their worm man yeah the worm man the giant worm man yeah yeah <laughs> again this is yeah so so his as a result his rule is is despotic so is religious awe and despotic fear so he is the head of religion he is the head of ec- the, economy. the economy he is the head of like everything politics everything so he's disbanded at all the planetary like houses except for just a couple so uh the remaining powers defer to his authority although they individually conspire against him in secret because i mean you don't yeah. want to be worshiping this warm man that's been around for thousands of years. years so the fremen have long since lost their identity and military power and have been replaced as the imperial army by the fish speakers so the fish speakers are an all-female army who obey leto without question so here's the thing, little side note. So here's the thing about the, the Dune series. Um, it is very female centric. Like towards okay. the end, there are almost no male ca- characters. Like f- female characters are given um, equal amounts, if not more power than the male characters okay. in the books. Like, o- like overwhelmingly so. Mm-hmm. Which I think is interesting for, you know, a sci-fi novel. Yeah. From the mid 20th century. Exactly. From yeah. the mid 20th century. Um, so he's got his fish speakers, all these ladies who obey him. Um, he has rendered the human population into a state of transgalactic stagnation. Space travel is non-existent to most people in his empire, which he has deliberately kept to a near medieval level of technological sophistication. So he keeps all the spice, but no one else can have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this he has done in accordance with a prophecy divine through precognition that will establish an enforced peace, preventing humanity from destroying itself through aggressive behavior. So he's like, I'm doing this to save yeah, you guys. Uh, like, you guys... I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a giant sandworm I've man. I sacrificed my legs so much and my, for you. <laughs> and my ability to wear clothing. Yep, exactly. Yes. So, um, the desert planet Arrakis has been tra- terraformed into a lush forested biosphere, except for a single section of desert retained by Leto for his citadel because he's part sandworm. He needs that. He needs that good, good sand. Okay. Um, so a string of Duncan Idaho Golas have served Leto over the millennia. So it's just like this one Duncan one Idaho, Duncan Idaho after, after another. the other. Yep. So uh, Leto has also fostered the bloodline of his twin sister Ganima. So the Atreides have continued on. Um, her descendant w- is named Moneo, uh, is Leto's major domo and closest confidant, while Moneo's daughter Siona has become the leader of an Arrakis-based rebellion against Leto. So his okay. niece is actually like really trying to overthrow him. Um, so Leto intends to breed Siona with the latest Duncan Gola, but is aware that the Gola moved by his own mortality may try to assassinate him before this can occur. Um, so the Ixians are suddenly here from planet nine, from planet nine. Um, they send a new ambassador named Hui Nuri to serve Leto. Uh, and though he realizes that she has been specifically designed and trained to ensnare him, cannot help but fall in love with her. So she agrees to marry him. She agrees to marry the giants, the, the giant, giant worm man, the yep. giant worm man. She's like, yes, I'm all about this, this. is mm. the one for me. Yep, One for me. So Leto tests Siona by taking her out into the middle of the desert. So he takes his niece out in the middle of the desert 
and dehydration forces her to accept Leto's offer of spice essence from his body to replenish her. So she's awakened to Leto's prophecy. This is why he does this. He's mm-hmm. like, see, this is why I'm doing everything. Um, and the experience convinces Siona of the importance of the golden path. And she remains dedicated to Leto's destruction, though. Uh, and an errant rainstorm demonstrates for her his mortal vulnerability to water. Okay. So she's Just like... Big worms don't like water. Big worms don't like water, which is why they live in the desert. So Siona in Idaho uh, plan his assassination. Okay. So as Leto's wedding procession uh, moves across a high bridge over a river, Siona orders one of her fish speakers to destroy the support beams with a laser gun, which is just a laser gun. Um, the bridge collapses and Leto's entourage, including Hui, plunge to their deaths in the river below. Uh, Leto's body rends apart in the water and the sand trout, which are part of his body, scurry off while the worm portion burns and disintegrates on the shore. So a dying Leto reveals a secret breeding program among the Atreides to produce a human who is invisible to prescient vision. So he has been breeding people so that they don't see the future at all. Okay. He wants them to be completely blind to whatever's going on. Um, and Siona is the finished result and she and her descendants will retain this ability. So he explains that humanity is now free to scatter throughout the universe, never again to face complete destruction. After revealing the location of his secret spice hoard, Leto dies, leaving Duncan and Siona to face the task of managing the empire. Where did the sand trouts go? Um, they just swam away. Do they, are they are they important? No. Okay. Yeah. So now we've got Heretics of Dune. Okay. Heretics of Dune uh, was 1984. All right. So much has changed in the millennium and a half since the death of the God Emperor. So it's been 1,500 years. <laughs> um, sandworms have reappeared on Arrakis, which is now called just Rackus. I don't why? know why. I don't know, because it's been thousands of years and people forget names and it's just okay. called Rackus. Um, so each of these, oh, so it was the baby sandworms that like flew off mm-hmm. and they like bred and now they're regular sandworms and they're back. Okay. But each of them retain a tiny fragment of the God Emperor's consciousness and have renewed the flow of the all-important spice melange to the galaxy. So things are back sort of to normal. So with Leto's death, a very complex economic system built on spice collapsed, resulting in trillions of people leaving known space in what's known as the Great Scattering. So people were like, there's no economy anymore. I'm going somewhere else. So they left. So a new civilization has risen with three dominant powers. The Ixians, um, who have things called no-ships, which are just spaceships that where people can't see through them. Like they can't like, pre- even if you have like the superpower of the prescience, you can't see like what's going on. Like a lead lined box. Like a lead lined box. Exactly. <laughs> so they are, no ships are capable of piloting between the stars and are invisible to outside detection. Uh, the Bena Tlilax who have learned to manufacture spice in their axolotl tanks. So now mm. they don't need the worms because mm-hmm. they can put them in their axolotl tanks and they have created a new breed of face dancers. And then the Bene Gesserit are still around. Um, they are a matriarchal order of subtle political manipulators who possess superhuman abilities, as I mentioned before. So they're still around. Okay. The most powerful of these forces are the honored maters, a violent society of women bred and trained for combat and the sexual control of men. So on Rackus, a girl named Shiana has been discovered who can control the giant worms. Um, so the Bene Gesserit want to get a hold of her because they know that the religious forces of humanity will worship her and they need that kind of power in their corner. Mm-hmm. So the remainder of the book is basically a fight between the Bene Gesserit and the honored maters over Raxus and Shiana. 
So finally, the honored maters attack Rackus, destroying the planet and the sandworms, except for the one that Bene Gesserit escaped with in one of the no ships. They're like, go away. Uh, So they intend to drown the worm in a mixture of water and spice, turning it into sand trout, which will turn the secret Bene Gesserit planet chapter house into another dune. So they want to seed another dune so that they can have a new Arrakis. So if you have a worm and you dunk it in water, it'll become, it'll, it'll go back to babies. Back to to being babies. Sand trout. Okay. Which is weird. So (laughs) Bene Gesserit want to repopulate a new dune called chapter house. And that's where they're going to like control the spice and be like their own separate thing. Um, but with the collective consciousness of the God emperor diluted into just one sandworm, freeing humanity from the shadow of his prescience forever. So they just diluted into one sandworm and they're like, all right, we're just going to let that one go. Okay. So finally the last book, chapter house, Dune, which came out chapter house, chapter house, colon Colon Dune. Dune 1985. So, the Bene Gesserit are in serious trouble as the targets of the honored maters who have almost completely conquered the known universe. So, the maters are seeking to assimilate the technology and developed methods of the Bene Gesserit and exterminate the sisterhood itself. So, they want to get their power and figure out how they do it and then just kill them off. And then they're the rulers of the galaxy. Again, all women. These are two separate, right. very powerful women's groups. Uh, so... The Bene Gesserit are also terraforming the planet Chapter House to accommodate the all-important sandworms whose native planet Dune uh, had been destroyed by the maters. Okay. So Shiana, in charge of the project, uh, expects sandworms to appear soon. She's like, they're going to come. It'll be great. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So the honored maters have also destroyed the entire Bene Tleilac civilization. So all the men, the, the men version of the Bene Gesserit are gone. Um, except Tleilaxu, Master Skytail, the only one of his kind left alive. Skytail, the guy that the Paul face killed. shifter, the sh- face shifter, face paint, face he, dancer, face dancer. Yes, he's back because they cloned him. So he's back. <laughs> um, so in Bene Gesserit captivity, Skytail possesses the Tleilaxu secret of Gola production. So he's the only one who remembers how to how to clone anything, uh, which he has reluctantly traded for the Sisterhood's protection. So the Bene Gesserit have two other prisoners on Chapter House. The latest Duncan Idaho Gola. He is back, and. <laughs> Former honored mater, her name is Mirbella, whom they have accepted as a novice despite their suspicion that she intends to escape back to the honored maters. Mm. So she didn't want to be an honored mater anymore. She was like, Teach me the ways of Bene Gesserit. I want to be a Bene Gesserit. Mm-hmm. And they're like, mm, Okay. But they can see the future. They can see the future. They can. But for some reason, they don't see what's going on with okay. her. So uh, meanwhile, Mirbella collapses under the pressure of Bene Gesserit training, giving in to word weapons that the Bene Gesserit had planted to undermine her earlier honored mater identity. So they kind of like uh, cut her off at the knees kind of thing. Okay. Um, so Mirbella realizes that she wants to be Bene Gesserit and soon becomes a reverend mother. Um, and during a battle in which the Bene Gesserit attack the honored maters in full force, victory for the Bene Gesserit seems inevitable. Okay, great. However, ah, the honored maters use a mysterious weapon to turn defeat into victory. And in a last desperate attempt, Mirbella pilots a small craft down to the surface, announcing herself as an honored mater who, in the confusion, has managed to escape the Bene Gesserit with all their secrets. So she, like, um, uh, does a little, like, uh, surprise uh, and tries to infiltrate them uh-huh. by pretending that she was, uh, like, a spy. Uh-huh. Um, so she arrives on the planet and is taken to the great honored mater, so the big, big girl. Um, and unable to control her anger, the uh, great honored ma- mater uh, attacks, but is killed by Mirbella. 
And in awed by her physical prowess, the remaining honored maters are forced to accept her as their new leader. So she, because she killed like the big one. Yeah. Now she's the leader of the honored maters, but she's a spy for the Bene Gesserit. So everyone's like, what's going to happen? So Mirbella's ascension to leadership is not accepted as victory by all the Bene Gesserit. They're like, eh, this doesn't seem great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of them flee chapter house, notably, notably Shiana who has a vision of her own and arranges to have some of the new worms that have emerged in the chapter house desert brought aboard her ship. Um, And the book ends on a cliffhanger. So Shiana like (laughs) flies off into the great blue yonder and no one knows like what's going to happen with the honored maters and if Mirbella is going to defy them or if she's going to destroy them from the inside or if she was like always an honored mater and she never wanted to be a Bene Gesserit and all this stuff. And Frank Herbert had planned to write a seventh and final Dune novel, but his death in 1986 meant that the series Uh, remained unfinished. I was going to say. Yeah. So the series (laughs) is actually unfinished, and that's partially why um, his son kind of took on the mantle. Okay. Um, So his son and the um, Kevin J. Anderson uh, wrote both sequels and prequels. Okay. So they wrote about the Butlerian Jihad and like gave more, fleshed out a lot more of like the different like cultures and things mm-hmm. and it's and there's a bunch of short stories and all this stuff so in closing there are a couple of very common um quotes from dune that you should know okay so uh there's the sleeper must awaken and that's usually uh accompanied with an outstretched hand okay okay so in at least in the movie duke leto in the first book duke leto is like uh, I always feel like something is asleep inside of me and the sleeper must awaken. So it's this idea of like prescience. Okay. Like I, I need to awaken my clairvoyance. And so when Paul sniffs all that spice in the desert the first time and suddenly sees his vision and he says, father, the sleeper has awakened. So sleeper must awaken is kind of like, you know, ascending to a higher power of clairvoyance. Okay. Then there's the spice must flow. Okay. Which means you I can't, think I've heard that. Yeah. One. It's very common. It means don't stop the production of spice. The spice has to flow. No matter what we do, we need to keep the spice moving. Uh, Then fear is the mind killer, which I mentioned before. And then in the movie, there's (laughs) people keep whispering, the tooth, the tooth. Were they they at Monuments Men with us? No, it's... (laughs) No, because... Um, they try to kill Baron Harkonnen by implanting a poison tooth into Duke Leto. Okay. While he's being like tortured. Okay. And he's told he has to bite down on the tooth and then blow the poison into Harkonnen's face when he gets too close to him. Um, and so (laughs) for some reason there's a lot of like voiceover Mm -hmm. in the Dune movie. Mm -hmm. And so uh, everyone's like, the tooth, the tooth. (laughs) It it fails. He doesn't assassinate him. That Um, seems really complicated. Yeah. It's, and it's like a back tooth. It's like a molar. They like shove it in there. Huh. Um, and then he who can destroy a thing controls a thing is kind of one of the, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and then of course, um, if you walk without rhythm, you won't attract the worm. So <laughs> that is a quick and dirty on Dune. Um, the, the other titles I came up with were Dune, where's my car? <laughs> oh, that's very good. And also, Hey Dune. <laughs> With an exclamation point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I love that. Anything with dude could easily be dude. Yeah. Um, dune is uh, very, very popular amongst people who are fans of sci-fi. Okay. It was kind of considered like mm, like a more intellectual uh, Star Wars, I would say. Like a very uh-huh. literary, high-level Star Wars 
Um, it's very complicated. The books <laughs> go over <laughs> thousands of years. It's very complicated. It's very complicated. There's a lot of like, I didn't even I didn't even mention any of like the religious organizations and things like mm-hmm. they follow the Orange Catholic Bible because the the primary religion is Catholic like Orange Catholicism which is like a combination of Protestant and Catholicism that was combined way back when and the Beta Gesserit are kind of like nuns of the Orange Catholic religion and all this stuff and then there are underground Jews it's like a whole thing <laughs> it's crazy ah. um, it is interesting I. I am looking forward to seeing the 2020 movie. I want to see how it, because it is so complicated. Mm-hmm. I can imagine how it's very difficult to, to make it to a, a screenplay. Movie. Yeah, to write a screen screenplay of it. So, um, so wow. Now that you have sc- completely scrambled my brain already. Yes. So uh, now I'm going to give you a quiz called The Spice Must Flow, a quiz on spices, melanges, and herbs. Question number one. Many of us know that nutmeg comes from a nut, but what is the name of the lacy outer skin of a nutmeg seed? Unfortunately, it can't protect you in a dark alley at night. Question number two. Name this herb. Contrary to what you might infer from its name, it's mostly used in Egyptian and Indian cuisine. It's used as an herb, dried leaves, spice, seeds, and vegetable, it's fresh leaves and sprouts, and is often thought to help with milk production in breastfeeding mothers. Question number three. Here's a straightforward one. What are the five spices in Chinese five spice? Question number four. It may surprise some, but the wasabi in many sushi places isn't wasabi at all, but green food coloring and what spicy root vegetable with an equine name? Question number five. I wondered about this a lot as a teen. Sesame seeds come from what? A, a tropical tree. B, a deciduous bush. C, a flowering plant, or D, a root. Question number six. Name this herb. It is one of the four fine herbs of French cooking. It's the main flavoring component of Bernays sauce. And James Beard once said of it, I believe that if I ever had to practice cannibalism, I might manage if there was enough of it around. Question number seven. Speaking of French cooking, the bouquet garni is a bundle of three herbs gathered together in a cheesecloth and cooked with ingredients for such dishes as bouillabaisse, cocovin, and bouffe bourguignon. One you can choke on, and two are featured in Scarborough Fair. Name them. Question number eight. True or false, allspice is a blend of up to 12 spices. Question number nine. Name this herb. First found in ancient Greece, it was thought to have been created by the goddess Aphrodite. It's been used medicinally for its antiseptic properties and is delicious on a pizza or in your marinara sauce. The British pronounce it wrong. And finally, question number 10. Paprika is a powdered spice with a deep orange-red color and a mildly pungent flavor, made from the dried and ground fruits of certain varieties of what popular salad vegetable? We'll give you a minute to think about it, and I'll be right back with answers. Walk without rhythm, it won't attract the worm. Walk without rhythm, and it won't attract the worm. Walk without rhythm, and it won't attract the worm. If you walk without rhythm, uh, you never learn. Don't be 
Okay, question number one. Many of us know that nutmeg comes from a nut, but what is the name of the lacy outer skin of a nutmeg seed? Unfortunately, it can't protect you in the dark alley at night. It's not a shiv. <laughs> okay. It'd be something you could carry in your purse, but it's illegal. Mace. Yes, it is mace. Uh, nutmeg is actually psychotropic and in high enough doses causes hallucinations, delusions, and an impending sense of doom. I know you don't like nutmeg, so you can avoid that. Yes. Completely. <laughs> okay, question number two. Name this herb. Contrary to what you might infer from its name, it's mostly used in Egyptian and Indian cuisine. It's used as an herb, dried leaves, spice, seeds, and vegetable, fresh leaves and sprouts. And it's often thought to help with milk production in breastfeeding mothers. Is it cilantro? No, it's fenugreek. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the name of it comes from the Middle French fenugrec, meaning Greek hay. <laughs> so there you go. I don't think I've ever tasted it, to be honest. Hmm. Question number three. Here's a straightforward one. What are the five spices in Chinese five spice? Yeah. Here's a straightforward question. Well, straightforward. I mean, just what are the five spices in Chinese I five spice? I don't know. Can you try and guess? Pepper. Good. That's one. I don't I don't I don't know what Chinese five spice is. Okay. It's cinnamon, cloves, star anise, fennel, and peppercorns. Okay. Uh some recipes also contain nutmeg, ginger, Ooh, and licorice. Fennel and yeah. all that. And yeah, it's no good. Okay, question number four. It may surprise some, but the wasabi in many sushi places isn't wasabi at all, but green food coloring and what spicy root vegetable with an equine name? It's horseradish. It is horseradish. Uh horseradish is in the brassica family, which I did not realize. The what? Brassica, like um, uh, uh, broccoli and cauliflower. Um, Horseradish doesn't become spicy until it's grated or crushed when the enzymes from the broken plant cells produce mustard oil, which causes its characteristic eye-watering quality. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Question number five. I wondered about this a lot as a teen. Sesame seeds come from what? A, a tropical tree. B, a deciduous bush. C, a flowering plant. Or D, a root. I'm going to say a flowering plant. It is a flowering plant. Uh, the sesame plant produces a seed pod that looks a lot like okra, uh, which bursts when ripe and releases those precious, precious seeds. Um, it is the oldest oil seed crop known to humanity. Oh, that's... Yeah. Huh. I wouldn't think... Wouldn't and apparently um, uh, sesame oil, like sesame seeds, provide the most oil per like pound oh. kind of thing per, for its size. Huh. It produces the most oil. I remember Mitch Hedberg said, why don't we just let the sesame seeds grow up? Yeah. And sometimes they do, you know? Um, you know, when uh, you don't want to talk to somebody, if you see somebody coming and you're with a friend and you're like, quick, talk to me so that they don't. Uh-huh. So my sister and I, our topic of conversation would always be eggnog. Is it, what's a nog? Tell me what a nog is. And then we would get in like a real heated in-depth discussion mm-hmm. so people would avoid talking to us. Yeah. Um, the other one that I used was sesame seeds. Where do they come from? Um, so that was like the topic of conversation that you could quick drop in to avoid talking to somebody else. Nice. You can, anyone can use that by the way. That's free. You're welcome. Free for everybody. You're welcome. Um, question number six, name this herb. It's one of the four fine herbs of French cooking. It's the main flavoring component of Bernays sauce. And James Beard once said of it, I believe that if I ever had to practice cannibalism, I might manage if there were enough of it around. (sighs) Bernays sauce. It's, um, it's also used in egg dishes. You know, it's a, it's a sauce. <laughs> uh, I would say chives. Uh, you are very close. It's tarragon. Okay. Uh, there is also a tarragon flavored Slavic carbonated soft drink 
that is bright green. It's called Tarcuna. Mm. It is sugared tarragon flavor. Yum. Yum. Uh, yeah. Very popular in Georgia, apparently. <laughs> Not the state, the country. Yeah. Um, okay. Wow. Question number seven. Speaking of French cooking, the bouquet garni is a bundle of three herbs gathered together in a cheesecloth and cooked with ingredients for such dishes as bouillabaisse, coco vin, and bouffe bourguignon. One you can choke on, and two are featured in Scarborough Fair. Name them. Uh, say parsley. No. Parsley, yes. Thyme. Mm-hmm. When you can show a bay leaf. Yes, bay leaf. You are correct. It is thyme, bay leaf, and parsley. Uh, question number eight. True or false? Allspice is a blend of up to 12 spices. False. You are correct. False. It is a dried berry. It's called allspice because it tastes like a blend of several spices, including cinnamon, nutmeg, and cloves. Its original name was pimenta. Pimenta. Yes. Huh. Which is the first word of its um, Greek, uh, of its Latin name, of its Latin oh. name. Uh, question number nine. Name this herb. First found in ancient Greece, it was thought to have been created by the goddess Aphrodite. It's been used medicinally for its antiseptic properties and is delicious on a pizza or in your marinara sauce. The British pronounce it wrong. Is it oregano? It is oregano. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in Greek, the name oregano is loosely translated to joy of the mountains. <laughs> What a beautiful translation. Oregano is delicious and has can help you with a lot of things. Okay. And finally, question number 10. Paprika or paprika, a powdered spice with a deep orange red color and a mildly pungent flavor made from the dried and ground fruits of certain varieties of what popular salad vegetable? Oh, I don't know. Uh, pepper. It is. It's a red pepper. Oh, cool. So there you go. So that is my... Wow. See, you did fine. You did at least... You got at least half. <laughs> I get far less than that most days. That's <laughs> so. not true. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow, right? I'm going to do a series on this. I mean, not just Dune. It's going to be... I'm going to do Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I... I'm going to do Hitchhiker's like, Guide. wrap my brain around Lord of the Rings because I've seen the movies. But... Yeah. But Dune is... Dune is... Which is just... Dive just, right in. Yep. Just rough and tumble. Yeah. So you're welcome, everyone. So now if you hear a mildly Islamic uh, name and yeah. a book in, in reference to a book series, it's probably Doom. <laughs> Muad'Dib. You got your um, Shai Halud. All that stuff. It's great. Quitsat. Quitsat. Hatterak. <laughs> so good. It's so good. <laughs> Why, thank you, Lauren. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, we have had a nice little roundup of some wonderful, um, are we going to sing it with me? Oh, some yeah. Listen to Submitted Trivia. Oh, yes. So we're just going to do um, a couple of the recent ones we've gotten. Um, yeah. So thank you guys for sending them in. You, you can via email or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, and if you don't know how to contact us, we will tell you in a minute or two. Yeah. Okay. Um, Megs B brought to my attention that there um, there are radioactive cremains oh, no. from crematories. Um, she said there are no federal regulations regarding radioactive material in crematoriums and regulations that do exist vary by state. Oh my god. Um so it's you know maybe if you were exposed to radiation sure. like via atomic testing oh, yes. or maybe if um you underwent like a cancer treatment and you had radiation oh, right. to like yeah. you know to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So um yeah it's just it like like the, the article she sent along was like here's why you shouldn't cr cremate radioactive people. Yeah. Which is <laughs> Something I didn't know I, did I had not to think worry that I about. I had to worry about, but now it's something 
uh, it's amazing that there are no no rules for this. Like, no. there's no federal rules, and there's people who that's their job is that they. I mean, it's terrible, yeah. but they bring bodies in, you know, right. in those things, and it's probably it goes airborne, and yes. people you know breathe it in, and ugh, ugh, things you don't think you have to think about. Yeah, now I think about it. Now it's going to keep me up at night. Thanks, Megs. <laughs> Uh, another one, um, Anne M told us um, after the Great Fire London episode, and I remember I talked about, I was like, oh, I think I saw the London Monument. Um, she said that um, they honeymooned in London in December 2000, and they went up in the monument. She said, you can climb to the top inside with a view of the city all around. Um, and they discovered from the person working there that the top of the monument is enclosed with a chain link fence because uh, people used to jump off of it and oh commit suicide. <laughs> What? So you build a tall thing and people, and people will come just, and they will come and try and kill themselves. Yeah, what the heck? Wow. <laughs> God, those are two I mean, that like, wasn't like really dark. Fun. Get, bring us home with something much sure. something better. I'll, I'll, I'll mention something. Uh, something so, more enlightening, more uplifting. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, so a couple of funny things that people have yeah. said <laughs> on Twitter. So um, one of our Twitter followers, uh, Esra Sra. Uh, she said it's probably just Sarah so it's probably Sarah but I don't want to make an assumption <laughs> oh sure um, she wrote to us that uh, after our jazz episode with uh-huh. Andrew she said um, whenever I buy jazz apples I have to say jazz apples in an old timey jazz cigarettes <laughs> voice and pretend I'm going to get high off of apples because I am cool and I lol'd out loud uh, at that thank you Sarah that was very funny and then um one of our uh, new listeners, Nicole. Hello, Nicole. Uh, they're um, the, in this tweet. They're ref- referencing uh, the Cezanne episode. Yeah. And uh, they said, I'm now really hoping for one of those old Cezanne paintings to show up in a picture around at Trivia so I can scream, that's from his Tide Pods phase. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thank you, Nicole. That's That was very funny. Um, we appreciate it when people can interact with us on the, on the internets and be funnier than us. I'm yeah. perfectly fine with that. So, <laughs> yeah. So, if you have any other listener submitted trivia for us, um, you can send us an email at misinfopod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at misinfopod. Um, we have a Facebook page, misinformation colon, a trivia podcast. And we also have a website for your enjoyment, triple uh, dot misinfopod. Dot com. And you can stream us on that aforementioned website. Also, uh, you can get us wherever you find podcasts, honestly, except for Spotify. Apparently. Apparently. Not that I'm mad at it. But anyway, uh, yeah, please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell a friend. Um, thank you to everybody who came up to us uh, and tweeted at us and, and liked our photos and everything from Las Vegas. That was so much fun. Was so much fun. We cannot wait for Chicago. And um, yeah, we got some fun things in the works for next, next yeah, year's we Geek do. Bowl. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, So thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.